I'm going to talk about mental health a little bit today and about depression and suicidal thoughts. But let me, let me say this right off the bat, just heaviness in general. Let me say, I am not a doctor, okay? I'm a preacher. Amen? Come on, say amen. So I'm not telling you to get on medication, get off medication. I'm not telling you to, uh, none of that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Let me say it one more time. I'm not a doctor, but I'm a preacher. And so you go to the doctor for doctor stuff, but you come to church for God stuff. Amen. And so I'm going to give you God's word and you might have to couple that with medicine and you might have to couple that with some of those things. But, um, but I just want to kind of make that clear right before we go. I want to preach from the subject, just like us, just like us. Father, in Jesus name, I pray Holy Spirit that you would speak, that you would minister life and that you would help to lift heaviness in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen? Amen. Amen. Elijah was just like us. Now, I hope that sinks in because I think that when we, when we get, uh, read God's word and, and, and we read the Bible, we, we kind of think that these people that we read about were like superstars in the kingdom and they had super faith and they were super spiritual and they knew God differently than we do. No, they were just like us. Elijah was just like us. Abraham was just like us. Adam and Eve were just like us. The apostle Paul was just like us. Peter was just like us. Rahab was just like us. Esther was just like, I mean, you, you go down the line, David was just like us. They had the same flesh that we have. They had to face the same devils that we had to face, but they knew the same God that we know. Amen. And so it, 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 I, want, I want that to relieve you because though we kind of glamorize these figures in the Bible, this Bible is not about any of the figures. It's about one man. His name is Jesus, the perfect man. He's the only perfect man. He's, he is perfectly all God and all man wrapped in one. He is 200%. And so, so we don't, um, we don't, we don't want to glorify or glamorize these men and women too much because they're just like us. And I find that so many times we end up being surprised and discouraged by our own struggles. We're surprised by our struggle. We're discouraged that we're discouraged. Y'all ever been there? Like you feel bad and then, you, then you're mad at yourself for feeling bad? You're like, you shouldn't feel bad. You should have more faith. Come on, somebody. I call it death by paper cuts. It's just a lot of little nicks, just, just a little by little by little by little. And you're, you're discouraged that you're discouraged. You're surprised that you're still struggling. You thought you would be, man, I've been, I've been following Jesus for 15 years and I still got a flesh. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I've been serving God for 40 years and I still got jacked up thoughts. I, man, I've been saved for a year and I was so on fire for God and everything was changing. And now I feel like I've been stagnant and, and, and we're surprised by our own struggle. We're, we're shocked by our own secrets. But don't be. Because see, if you convince yourself that you shouldn't struggle, or if you've convinced yourself that you should never be discouraged, you'll never tell anybody. Because if you're convinced that something is wrong with you, you're also convinced that people are going to put something on you. So we're all walking around with secret struggles and we're all walking around with secret discouragement. And then we walk into church and it's like, okay, I got to get the smile ready. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, praise God. Oh, there's a greeter. Hey, you're going to tell me where to park. And I don't want to park there, but I'm going to park. Oh, praise God. And you're, 
and you're and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Oh man, I'm doing great. And I'm not saying everybody needs to know how you're doing. And I don't think everything you're struggling with needs to go on Facebook or needs to go public. But you do got to talk to somebody. You do got to open up to somebody. You know, people ask me all the time. They go, "How are you doing, Pastor?" And I want to say, I don't know you like that. So you're not. So all you're going to get is good. I got about 10 people in my life that'll actually get a, here's, who I, here's what is really going down. Everyone else, oh, I'm doing good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But I got to have somebody and you got to have somebody. So it reminds me that the struggle, it's not just real, it's common. <laughs> and I refuse to be a church that is surprised by struggle. I refuse to be a church that lives in secrets. I refuse to be a church that has this facade that everything is great when in reality, we are all dealing with issues. And especially depression, mental health, suicide. These have become cuss words in the church. We refuse to talk about it. And therefore, we never end up finding freedom from it. And I think it's amazing because we would never judge someone with a physical illness. And yet so many times we judge those with mental illness. But I want to declare at City Light Church, we will never judge anyone with a physical illness and we will never judge anyone with a mental illness. Say amen. Come on, clap your hands. Ever. Because that mind of yours is functioning from a brain. It's a physical part of your body. And so this is is bigger than just, well, you need to think better thoughts. Well, you just need to do better. Well, you just need to okay it's not that easy all right three amens no one wants to be real okay because i think we all actually think that i just got to toughen up one in eight adult americans are on some kind of antidepressant right now one in eight so that means that on this front row if the stats are true probably two to three just on every row are on something and right now, depression medications are rising at a rate of 300%, which means that in 25 years, every other adult American will be on an antidepressant. Now, I don't think that's right. <laughs> and I think there has to be better answers than just medication. I think medication might be part of it. But, I, but we're seeing an epidemic. Yeah? So Steve Ilardi, who is not a Christian, so if you Google him or watch him on YouTube, don't be offended by some of the things he says, but he's not a Christian. But he said this, he goes, okay, so if we go back the last 10,000 years of human history, or maybe you're in here and, and you don't believe in God and, you know, let's go back, you know, or maybe you're a liberal, you're a liberal Christian, so, you know, we, let's say we've been going for millions and millions of years. Okay, for millions and millions of years, or at least 10,000 years, until 200 years ago, there was really one way of life. We were hunters, we were gatherers, our, our, our fingernails were dirty, come on somebody. We were digging holes and digging wells and, and killing deer and you know what I mean? That's, that's t- uh, until 200 years ago. And then 200 years ago, we had the Industrial Revolution. So what Stephen Alardi is saying is that our bodies haven't caught up to this new lifestyle. So here's what he says. We were never meant for the sedentary. That means you sit all day. And I sit all day. I'm either studying God's word or I'm meeting with people, but it's happening sitting. All day I sit. It's not good. Okay. We were never meant for the sedentary, fast food laden, indoor, socially isolated, fast paced, sleep deprived lifestyle. 
And he's proven in his studies that depression is a societal disease. They studied 20,000 people who are still living off the grid. Um, uh, Aboriginals in Australia and um, in Papua New Guinea and through Fiji and, and down into Brazil and different, different people who are, you know, living like they would have lived, you know, thousands of years ago. And here's what they found. They found that these people do not get cancer. They don't have heart disease and they're not depressed. Um, they all look like athletes. They all got six packs. They're all ripped, yet they don't exercise. Because exercise is unnatural. And he goes on to say that. He goes, it's, it's, it's weird to get on a treadmill because your body's going, I want to go hang on trees and I want to go kill something and I want to go shoot something. You know what I'm saying? So that's why if you put a mouse on a, on a or if you ever put your dog on a treadmill and they just sit there and they just slide off. <laughs> this is weird. Well, that's what we do. Amen. That's what I do. I get on to, I'm going home. And, but because it's a societal disease, I believe there's some, some ways that we can find freedom. And here's number one. In order to break depression, number one, you got to refuse isolation. Refuse isolation. Verse three says, Elijah left his servant there. Uh, servant or employee. In other words, he had a guy with him that couldn't tell him no. Listen, who can tell you no? Like, who can just look at you and say, don't do that anymore. Don't say that anymore. Don't post that anymore. Don't be like that. Who can tell you no? Who, can, who knows you well enough that when you start going funky, they can see it and stop it? You better have someone in your life that can question you. Not everybody, but somebody. I don't answer to everybody, but I answer to some important people. I don't answer to everyone, but I do answer to some people, and those people can tell me no. Those people can fire me. Those people can kick me out on the street, y'all. I got people in my life that can tell me no. I got people in my life that, that know me well enough that can help me through my life. Who can tell you no? Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Are you isolated? Now, here's our vision. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Know God, that's what we do every Sunday. We connect with God. We give people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. And we, it's, our vision is for people to know God. So it's not just for people who already know God. It's for new people to know God. That's why we do an hour-long service. And that's why we don't go too crazy. Because <laughs> we want new people to come in. And I understand this is already pretty wild as it is let alone if we were doing it for three hours, you know, Hyundai, Shundai. So we, our vision is not, our vision is not for Hyundai, Shundai services. Some of y'all don't even know what they mean. And I'm so glad you're here because we're here to know God. But that's for all my charismaniacs that are like, I just want to go deeper. You need to bring lost people. And then maybe you wouldn't complain about, okay. So, and then discover purpose. We want you to discover your gifts, your unique callings, your unique anointings. We want you to use those in the house of God. We want you to make a difference by giving your time, talent, and treasure to the house of God. But, but that second one, find freedom, we believe happens in small groups. We don't believe it just happens through 
hot Holy Ghost services, we believe it happens through conversation. We believe it happens when two people get together, begin to talk, and begin to have a connection, and begin to open up to each other. And the moment you begin to talk about your struggle, the the moment you realize your struggle isn't as big as your mind told you it was. Have you ever been there? It's a huge deal till you start, you're like, I'm gonna go confront that person. And then you go up to him and you're like, oh, this really isn't that big of a deal. Oh my gosh. You ever sent an email and wish you didn't send it because the next day when you read it, you go, oh my gosh, I overreacted. Okay, you got to have relationship, but now look at Hebrews 10 verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Some, because 2,000 years ago, some did, but today, 2018, most do. The average American Christian who claims they go to church and claims they have a home church only goes to church once a month. Okay, you don't go to church. You, you visit church, but you don't go to church. I'm not even looking at anybody. I'm going to look at my shoes. Like you may have a gym membership, but if you haven't been since January, you don't go to the gym. Well, city life's my church. Some of y'all didn't even know we moved to this location till this morning. Oh, city like Jabin's my pastor. We meet over in that middle school. You came one time. Okay, listen, I'm not judging anybody. I'm, and if this isn't the right church for you, go find a church that you can go consistently to. We're, we're in church. We're in church. Unless I'm sick or unless we're on vacation or unless there's a big special event, we're in church, period. That's just how it is. It's just it's church. It's just church. My pastor says it like this. Jensen says it like this. Jensen Franklin. Now, I didn't say it. He said it because it's going to offend some of you. But he said it. I didn't say it. So go find him on Twitter and complain. But he said, he said, Jabin, if your kids ever have to ask you, mom and dad, are we going to church? You know you've backslidden. He said it. I didn't say it. Listen, if we're not in God's house, what if we became like David? Psalm 23, verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not in good seasons, not in bad seasons, forever. Not just when I lost a job and I need a miracle prayer, no, forever. Not just when life is good, I want to go give God the glory, no, forever. Not just, in, not just when it's the summer and I got nothing out, not just when it's the winter and I'm not at the lake anymore, no. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will be in church forever. I will be in a small group forever. I will serve on a serve team forever. Like this is going to be a part of my life. A part of my life is the house of God. What if that became our reality? What if that became our lifestyle? What if that became the home your kids grew up in? We're a church family. We go to church on Sunday. This is what we do. This is, this is the value that we hold for our household. We, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord forever. Number two. Number two, you have to rest. And when I talk about rest, I'm talking about physically sleeping. The Bible said Elijah slept. Did you notice this? Elijah went from God kill me to God saying, homie, go take a nap. (laughs) Y'all jacked up. You need some sleep. You saying some stuff right now that you don't mean. Go to bed. Like, don't handle this right. You are tired. And you do dumb stuff when you're tired. 
And there's weird temptations when you're tired. And your flesh starts acting up when you're tired. And God said, Elijah, you need to go to bed. So when I talk about rest, I'm not talking about laying in bed all day watching Netflix. I'm talking about sleep. I'm talking about this gonna this gonna hurt some of you. I'm talking about six to eight hours of sleep a night where you go to bed and you sleep and you get yourself on a sleeping I only need three to four hours, maybe right now, but your body one day will kick you in your butt <laughs> and tell you you should have been sleeping, bro. You need your sleep. There, there's there, there's a, a huge difference between laziness and rest. You have to have rest. Your body needs rest. And some of you are going, well, I don't, I don't need it. I don't, well, you don't need it because you're on so much caffeine. So one of my friends, he thought he was depressed. He went into a doctor and he said, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I'm weary. And, and the doctor did all these tests, and he said this. He said, you are not depressed, you're depleted. And he said, your depletion will lead to depression. But we're going to stop the depletion before it becomes depression. Some of you are just depleted. What can you cut out of your life to get more rest? What is taking energy from you right now that isn't necessary? Where can you create more margin in your life? You need to sleep. You need to rest. You, you've, you've, you've got to bring some rest into your life. Stop living such a fast-paced life. And some of you, and I know how this is, especially at the casinos, and I'm not judging the casinos or, or them, but, but you, you know, some of you, you'll make 40 grand a year, and they'll go, hey, do you want to become a manager? Am I telling the truth? And they go, we'll bump you to 48,000. You go, oh, that's awesome. And then you go from 40 hours to 70 hours. And they treat you like a slave. You need to go to, some of you need to go back to your boss and go, this eight grand ain't worth it. This five grand ain't worth it. You are killing me. I want to go back to a normal job. Like it's not worth losing your family or losing your soul where, where they be, where they own you. And it's, very unjust what they do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Number three, you got to eat. You got to eat. Everyone say eat. eat. Now when I say eat, I'm talking about good food. And now I'm just going to put out all my business right here. <laughs> so I'm in process. I'm on a road to freedom. I'm on a journey. So don't you judge me. But God told Elijah, you need to eat. And you got to eat the right food. You are ne you're never going to eat a bag of Doritos and look down at your orange little fingers and go, man, I just feel so good about life. You don't feel like crap. You're going to feel bad. You're, gonna, you're not only going to feel bad physically, you're going to feel bad psychologically. You got you to cut some of that stuff out. They're called GMOs, genetically modified organism. You, you just got to know this, friend, that what we're eating today is not what it was 50 years ago. Now, I, I, you know, I'm not here to say you need to go shop at Whole Foods and you got to, I can't, you know, everyone has to afford different things. But what I'm saying is, is that we are feeding our babies garbage and, and they're struggling with different mental illnesses on a, on a totally different level than any other generation. We're feeding ourselves garbage. We're dealing with it on, on a different level than we've ever dealt with it. I'm just saying, 
you're going to have to start changing your physical diet because your mind comes from your brain. Your brain is an organ. And so whatever you're putting in your body is affecting this. And whatever's affecting this is going to affect your thinking. And it's going to affect your mood. It's going to affect your soul. It's going to affect everything about you. So, so here's what I'm doing, okay? Because i got to practice what I preach, okay? But here's what I'm doing. First of all, I'm not on keto. I'm not on Whole30. Yeah, I'm not vegan. And all you people judging me, I ain't even about to have a fight. Here's what I'm doing. Because i got a long road ahead, okay? Because I've eaten bad for 35 years. Oh, Jesus, I need deliverance, but I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the road. So here's what I'm doing. I'm eating one living thing a day. I'm not talking about a living animal, somebody. Like, oh, a rabbit. No, no. I'm talking about raw vegetables, raw fruit. Go buy you a cold-pressed green juice. Go drink something that's alive. Drink some kombucha. It just feels so bougie about it. Yeah, just here. With my ginger lemon kombucha, just I can just feel it washing over my organs. Okay, drink something, eat something that's alive once a day. I'm talking baby steps. Now, some of you can do more. This is for me. It's like, what is this? Oh, it's an apple. Oh, I, how do you eat the? How do you eat it? Where does it go? <laughs> but you got. I'm on a. I'm in, don't judge me. I'm out here showing off all my weakness right now. Okay, listen. But you got to get something living and then eat one healthy meal a day. Last night, we ate some chicken and we ate some vegetables. And I didn't want that, but that's what we ate. <laughs> the night before, we ate with Bob and Michelle at their house. And, 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 you know, they're healthy and stuff. And so we ate chicken and asparagus. And yeah, yeah I was really Im- impressed with myself. And, but I'm on a journey because I would have... In the past, I would have eaten that, and then I'd have been like, man. (laughs) Right? So I didn't. I just went home, drank a big glass of water, went to sleep, woke up Saturday so prideful, (laughs) feeling good, feel like I was two inches taller. You got to eat some good food. You got to eat some healthy food. Just get some, get some, and now if you want to do keto, do keto. If you want to do whole third, do something. You got to cut back on sugar. You know that sugar is now proven. It's more, it's more addicting than cocaine. That's why whenever you go on keto or you go on whole third, you go on a diet, you feel like garbage because your body's detoxing. Your body is mad at you. And you like, see, I knew this healthy food was bad for me. No. <laughs> It's like when you're getting off heroin. It's like when you're getting off a drug. And you're going to have to cut it. You're going to have to cut back on it. Okay? I like this service. The nine was so stuck up. They were like, we're already doing all of this. We want something new. Number two, God's word, though. Okay, we don't only eat, we don't only eat better. Because remember, God said, eat some bread, drink some water. But number two, got to eat God's word. Look at Matthew 4, 4. Man doesn't live by bread alone. So I don't, my faith isn't in Whole Foods. My faith isn't in keto. My faith isn't in Whole30. My faith isn't in organic. My faith isn't in non-GMO. My faith is in God's word. 
and, I'm, and I've got to begin to fill my mind and my heart with God's word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Ezekiel 3.3, 3, he said, son of man, eat this scroll. You got to get in the word, friend. You got to read your Bible. Jabin, it's hard for me to read. Then go, get on your iPhone. I don't have my iPhone. Get your iPhone, go to version. Download it. Listen to it in the car. Listen. When you lay in bed at night, put that phone right by your, by your head. Get God's word and you listen to the Psalms. Get in the New Testament. Don't go to Leviticus right now, okay? Don't go to, don't, don't go to First and Second Chronicles, but, but get, get some good word in you and start consuming God's word. Psalm 107, he sent his word and healed them, delivered them from all their destruction. Come on, this is God's word. Isaiah 61. To give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. For some of you, you need to take a break from other music and you need to start praising God for a while. And I listen to, I listen to whatever you want to call it, non-Christian music. I listen to all of it. But sometimes you got to take a break. Sometimes you got to cut all that other stuff out of your life. And you got to get some praise and worship going in your car. You got to get some Hillsong, some Planet Shakers, Bethel, Jesus Culture, whatever it is. And you got to start feeling Fred Hammond, whatever it is, whoever, Israel Houghton, whoever it is. You got to get, you got to get some, some Tide Tribbett, something. You, some, someone went, oh, they were white. And you got to, and you got to get some. Do I have any Latinos in here? Got to get some Marco Swid and some Marco Barrientos and so. And you gotta and you gotta start getting some worship because when you when you put on the garment of praise, you take off the spirit of heaviness and you start feeling better. Come on, put on a garment of praise right now. Give God a shout. And now, and you might need to take medication. Paul did not tell Timothy, Timothy, you need to toughen up. You need to be more spiritual. No, Paul told Timothy, dude, you need to drink some wine because you're, you're having ulcers. And so he had to take medicine. Jesus said the sick need a doctor. That's in your Bible. So I'm not telling you don't take meds. What I am telling you is do all this as well. And you might, you just may not need them. And my, my number one concern about medication is that your body does get used to it. And you have to increase dosage. That's my concern. That's my only, con- that, you know what I'm saying? I don't have, a, I don't have a anything against doctors. I love doctors. We love our doctor. I love, I, amen. If you're a doctor in here, I love you. I hope you're tithing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keeping it real. Uh, no, but for real, I don't. But, but what I'm, my concern, my pastoral heart for you, my concern is that the dosage just keeps getting more and more, right? Okay, number four, you got to move. Everyone say move. Okay, here's what, here's what God, the angel said in verse seven. He said, Elijah, there's a journey ahead of you. There's a journey ahead of you. And what did he tell Elijah to do? You got to go walk. And where did Elijah walk? Elijah walked outside if you don't follow Sean, by the way, I'm always so convicted by your Instagram. I kind of want to mute you, but I don't because Sean's always outside. Now he, you know, he's a creative, he's an editor, he's a YouTube guru, you know, but he'll always take these breaks outside because you, do, you have to get outside. God told Elijah, go on a walk outside. Now, Stephen Alardi went on to say that they did, a, they did research and they found out that walking outside for 30 minutes a day, three times a week, showed the same improvement to mood as Zoloft. I'm not telling you to get off Zoloft. 
But I am asking you, maybe you need to go take some walks outside. Get some fresh air. Let the sun hit your face. And you got to get outside. You got to get moving or skating or biking or do something. And it's, and it's actually more natural to you than getting on a, a piece of equipment at the gym. Okay? So maybe you need to do that. Um, some of you are just a few visits from the gym a week away from total mental freedom. Just maybe you got to get on the elliptical. Maybe you got to do weights. Maybe you got to go join a Zumba class or a, or a bike class or a spin class or a yoga class or whatever. Or if you're religious, you don't like yoga, don't do yoga, okay? Or pray in tongues while you do yoga. <laughs> We're going to plank. No, I'm going prostrate before the Lord. Do whatever you got to do. But sweat. We need to sweat every day. If you go do 10 jumping jacks and a beat of sweat, you're good. But you got to sweat because you got to move your body. Okay? You got to move. You got to move. On some level, you got to move. But here's another way that we move. You got to serve. Serve. Become a part of something bigger than just your own little life. Serve. Be a blessing. Give your life away. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. Serve someone. Love someone. Help someone. Become a part of this community. Don't just come and attend and watch, but participate by serving. And we serve by giving, and we serve by joining a serve team. We, we serve by joining a small group. There's different ways that we serve. Some of you cannot serve on a serve team right now because of your schedule. I, I'm not talking about that. But what I am saying is, for some of you, you can. It's time. You've been checking us out long enough. It's time to join a serve team. It's time to, it's time to get involved there in the back or with the kids or, or an usher or a greeter or parking. You, you got to do something. You got to serve because it's good for your soul. It's good for you. Listen, if I didn't believe this, I wouldn't be doing this. I would have continued doing what we were already doing. We had an amazing career. We traveled the world, preaching the gospel, making a lot of money, doing a lot of great things. We had an incredible life. We lived in Newport Beach, California. What? What? Okay. I don't, I'm not doing this so that more people serve me or so that, you know, you just want our money. I, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. If you only knew. That is not what this is about. I believe in this because it's good for you to get involved. It's good for you to serve. It's good for you to wake up on Sunday, grab your kids, grab your family, and say, we're going to the house of God, and we're going to go serve people. We're going to go help people. We're going to go love people. We're going to go encourage people. Come on. There, there's something powerful about it. Let me see one of those cards. Can I see one of those cards? The, the best thing some of y'all could do is just, is just grab this card and fill it out and say, you know what? I'm going to get involved. You know what? I can serve two times a month. We're not asking you to serve four times on a Sunday. Besides the worship team who do that, and they're amazing, by the way, and we're so grateful that they would give up their whole day for us. And, but, but, but get involved. I'll park cars one service a week. I'll, I'll park cars every other week. I'll, 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 I'll host. I'll greet. I'll do something. Man, get involved. I'll serve in the kids. I, I've got kids in there. I know how they behave. Maybe you should help. <laughs> All right, that went over great. Okay, uh, because there's something, verse seven, one more time, there's something ahead for you. Yes. 
I just want to remind somebody who's, who might be down in the dumps right now. You might be a little depressed right now. There's something great ahead for you. Your greatest days are not behind you. They're still in front of you. God has a good plan for your life. God has good days for your life. God, the best days you've ever experienced, you haven't experienced yet because they're still out in front of you. God has great days for you. God has a good life for you. He said, Elijah, you can't kill yourself. Elijah, you can't end your life. Elijah, I'm not going to kill you because there is a great journey ahead of you. There's a journey ahead for you. There are people that you need to serve. And that's what Elijah Elijah had to do. Elijah had to go anoint Jehu, and Elijah had to go anoint Elisha, and Elijah had to give his life to the next generation. It wasn't all about him and his thing. It was about who was next, and I'm telling you, your greatest days are still in front of you. There's still a ministry for you. There's still people that need your voice. Please don't give up. Please don't quit because there's too much in front of you. Come on, say amen. Give God praise. Let me have the, come up. I refuse to let the devil tell me that I've already experienced the good old days. I just refuse it. I refuse it. We're living in our best days and better days are coming. Don't give up on that. Don't, don't, Elijah, the journey ahead of you. There's a journey, not just the journey behind you. Not just a story you can tell, but a journey that you can walk in. And it's so important for you to believe that. David said it like this in Psalm 27. He said, I would have quit. I would have lost heart. I would have given up unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What does that mean, land of the living? It means he's not talking about heaven. He's talking about right here, right now. Good days. Good days, good days. Father, I pray for my friends right now in the name of Jesus. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking. And your word is truth and your word is power and your word is life and your word is strength and healing to our bones and to our flesh. Lord, I thank you right now that you are touching our brains, that you are renewing our mind, that you are healing us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for every person who is discouraged. In the name of Jesus, I speak life into you. The journey ahead of you, it is great. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't end your life. There's too much in front of you. In Jesus' name.